The episode of I Think Therefore I Fan you're about to listen to contains spoilers for the television series WandaVision. You've been warned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. the start of season seven. Um, who knew we'd make it this far? I thought certainly the network would cancel us at some point. Um, but we're the network. We're, we're the network, so it didn't happen. So we're, here we go. Um, we've got another eight episodes coming up and um, lots of good stuff this season. So we'll be doling that out every couple of weeks. And um, today we're talking about the thing that I think pretty much everybody's talking about. The pandemic, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Conspiracy, nope. <laughs> Not that. Cancel, nope. WandaVision, right? WandaVision. Um, boy, Wanda, WandaVision was just fantastic. So um, needless to say, you've already gleaned that, that we just absolutely loved it. Um, and lots of good um, philosophical issues were raised throughout the, the limited series, but in particular during the last episode mm-hmm. or so. So... Um, Starting right off, maybe with a, a topic, because this is just overt, right? Here they are mentioning philosophy in the show, you know, in a way that, that we haven't seen, except for perhaps in The Good Place or some such, mm-hmm. um, talking about the ship of Theseus. So this is something we've discussed um, in previous episodes, but there's um, interesting new treatments here, right? So they, they raise lots of questions and, and add dimensions to it. So... Let's talk about the ship of Theseus a little bit. Well, uh, so in general, the, the, the idea is that a ship leaves a port and as it proceeds on its journey, it loses all of its pieces. Its pieces fall to the bottom of the ocean and each one as it falls away is replaced with a new one uh, such that when it, reach, it reaches its final destination, um, the ship is comprised of entirely different physical stuff. And you could imagine further that you could go down to the bottom of the ocean and retrieve the other ship uh, or the, the, the parts that fell away. And so then the question is, uh, which one of these is the ship of Theseus? Which one of these is the ship that left the port, if either of them is at all? Yeah, and there's a nice argument that it's the, the reconstructed one because that's all the original parts. But mm-hmm. if one hadn't done that, nobody would think the other one wasn't, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then if, like the ship makes it to the port is has you might think has made the journey or has you know where the other pieces were at the bottom of the ocean yeah so. some kind of continuity right mm-hmm. so so it's a, a tricky question um so we end up with two visions during the course of wanda vision so wanda we learn toward the end of the series that wanda has in her grief and rage produced a vision out of 
her connection with the Mind Stone. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's kind of, our son was suggesting, I'm not sure if this is what we were supposed to take out of it, but it seems like a plausible account, that she's actually, because of her connection with the Mind Stone, she's actually accessing Vision's real memories. You know, it's not, not just a copy of his memories, but mm-hmm. his actual memories. Yeah, so for the kids in my philosophy of mind class, right, this would be a kind of dualist thesis where the, the mental stuff is there even though the physical body is gone. Right, so. but she kind of cre- creates something that appears to be actually physical. But it's kind of hard to know what the metaphysics of that are supposed to be. Right, it, it, uh, a machine to house the ghost in, something like that. Because it kind of, you know, they disappear like they're pixelated at the end, and so maybe they're not, it's, it's hard to know exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then, in the meantime, um, the bad guys are using Vision's actual body. I don't know why it's white now. That's probably something a hardcore Marvel fan could... Yeah, I think it's a pandemic thing, right? So they, they've cleaned it really good. <laughs> and they're just, okay. they rubbed all the he paint. He drank some bleach to they, make... they rubbed all the paint right off it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so then they're, you know, they send in this white vision and vision and white vision battle. Yeah, um, but it's an interesting battle, right? So they're they're punching each other, and they're both really strong, and they're fighting. But their visionedness takes over, and they start talking yeah. right, instead. So the the battle becomes um, an interesting conversation, even though they're sort of elevated in the mm-hmm. top of this tower, some such, and you know they're they're in a fighting posture, but they're talking philosophy. <laughs> which, if you've ever been to the you know um, a philosophy conference like the American Philosophical Association, <laughs> that's exactly what it's like, right? It's recent you know, PhDs with their hands and fists, you know, dukes up, ready to, <laughs> to punch at any moment, but it's just arguments. And then every time they punch each other, they say, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> yeah. A, that's sort of what the vision thing felt yeah. like, right? Because they're <laughs> both vision. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, so, but then they start having a conversation about, you know, which one of them is the real vision and they actually explicitly raise the ship of Theseus. Mm-hmm. So you've got one, uh, one vision, the one that that Wanda has called forth, that is the memories, and you might think that that's the important thing um, uh, for making a person who they are. And then on the other side of the, you've got the actual physical stuff mm-hmm. that's been changed to look a lot different. <laughs> but, but, yeah, yeah, but, it's altered physical stuff, but it's, it's this, it is the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sort of by hypothesis. And then the memory vision gives the physical vision the memories yeah but notice that like the memory vision still exists and so now if what memory is and this is one of the challenges for a memory view of personal identity uh if if what memory is can survive copying then it's possible to be identical to two distinct for a person at some earlier point in time to be to be identical to two distinct entities at some later period of time Mm -hmm. um yeah so Right. Um, but that seems to violate our intuitions about identity. Yeah. You can be identical to one and only one thing in the or, future. Or most of our intuitions, right? Mm-hmm. So this sort of smacks of Parfit's, you know, split brain, um, you know, fission experiments where you take the, you know, split a brain, the two hemispheres, and transplant them in different bodies, and they go off and they have, um, you know, different experiences and stuff. And so you want to say, well, you know, this is, my right brain went this way, my left brain went that way. They can't be numerically identical, right? They can't mm-hmm. be the same thing. One of them is in Des Moines and the other one 
is in Orlando or some such, mm -hmm. right? They have different properties. Um, but if they're identical to me, right? If, if A, the right brain's identical to me, B, and C, the right, right brain's identical to me, B, then A has to be identical to C. So they can't be identical either. But Parfit says they survive, right? Mm -hmm. that, that, so you, you, I somehow survive um, and I'm connected by this survival relationship to both of the other brains. Mm -hmm. um, and so I still exist in two places. But he doesn't go so far as to say I'm identical because mm -hmm. of that intuition mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. talked about. Um, people love that and also people hate it. Right? I mean, it's, <laughs> Just it's like a, anything in philosophy. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's a particularly <laughs> controversial thesis. I mean, it's got a lot of intuitive support and then it runs you know, into all these sort of counterintuitive things. But it's kind of reminiscent. The reason I wanted to bring it up is the solution that they offer um, to the ship of Theseus in the show Right, because um, they, they don't just raise the issue; they they explain it. Right, they they solve it. Um, has people, philosophers at least, all over the internet going nuts, going, "No, no, no, that's no solution." <laughs> and I'm going to say that that I had kind of a similar reaction to other people when I heard that. On the one hand, and the solution is, yeah, I'm going to get to okay. that in just a okay. second. But on the other hand, I thought, "Oh no, this is kind of perfect esque Right, there, there's room for nuance. Mm -hmm. So you know, so the solution is to say. Um, you know, when I don't remember how this went, did, did both. one say both things or did they say part of it? I can't remember. Okay. So just to, you know, imagine that, that, you know, good guy vision, um, not white vision says, um, neither is vision. Mm -hmm. And the other one says, and they're both visioned. Right. And that, that sounds really bad, right? That's <laughs> um, violating the law of non-contradiction all over the place. And it's not exactly perfect solution. If perfect had just said that. Um, they would have drummed him out of the Oxford Moral Sciences Club or whatever that um, that group is called nowadays and taken away his philosophy card. Um, but there is something to that, right? So, um, you know, to use Parfit's example, right? Um, I don't survive as the two, thing, or I, I don't continue to exist. I'm not identical to, with any of those things. But in a sense, I've survived in mm. both of them. Mm. So, yeah. so it, it, it's not as clumsy... As it seemed, right? Um, so there's there's part of me that was just the, the philosophy geek going, oh my gosh, they're saying philosophy stuff. It was, <laughs> it was the good place experience all over again. Um, and on the other hand, I thought, no, this is, there, there's something sort of thoughtful about it. And we are left with this great question at the end, right? When um, um, good guy vision is um, presumably destroyed, and I'm, I'm saying presumably because um, Wanda's children were also destroyed and then, you know, in the cut scene... Um, you know, at the end of the credits, um, we hear um, their voices. So who knows? Um, but but a lot of people are speculating that, you know, the white vision's now just full on vision because he has everything. He's got the, the mental stuff. He's got the physical stuff. And he took off, right? And if you Google where did vision go, there's a million theories about, mm -hmm. you know, what he's doing. Is, is he going to come back somehow as vision or is this the third incantation mm -hmm. of, the thing that looks like vision that we maybe call vision. Mm -hmm. You wonder how the how love factors into all this uh, in when it comes to you know is it does it make sense for Wanda to love whatever being remains right mm -hmm. so 
is is Vision the person that she loves? So let's say let's 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 say that we're we're at least going to call what this new combined memory body entity. Mm-hmm. We're going to call that Vision. Yeah. Uh, does it make sense for Wanda to say I'm in love with that guy? Given that, in a way, the the the, the body's been all messed with, and um, the the memories are just uploaded. Like so, I mean, it's a similar question to. Let's say that I could take your consciousness and upload it onto a computer. Mm-hmm. And I could even copy it so that there's all these, like, you know, we're thinking about your consciousness as software. All this Richard software out everywhere. You got it everywhere you go. It's in your car. It's in your office. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like me with the ukuleles, right? <laughs> or the reading glasses. There's one of each in everywhere I'm apt to be. Yeah. I mean, does it make sense for, would it make sense for me to love every instance of, like, that? Or is... Does love require some sort of psychological continuity with the original? Mm-hmm. In which case, I think this vision might have that. But maybe not, because the, the, the vision that Wanda created that... No, I'm trying to remember now. This, this vision does end up remembering all the things from the past eventually, right? Yeah, because he, he yeah. got it right up to the minute, right? Uh-huh. I mean, just... Up... No, I mean, um, the vision that Wanda created can oh, yeah. initially... He only remembered, you know, from the Dick Van Dyke. The, yeah, the, the TV show on. But then, but he did come to remember those previous experiences. Yeah, he, he tapped into everything. Okay. So right. a new one. Yeah, so so it's interesting, right? Um, you're raising this question. It lacks the continuity. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it what what did she love about Vision in the first place? Was it she wasn't there going like, oh, this guy's great. I'm going to have continuity with him for the next however many years that that she failed to have. It was his properties, right? Yeah, that's his, true. He's lovable, right? Yeah. That's... And so we could imagine an iteration of white vision now, supervision with, you know, memories and all that, uh-huh. um, being exactly as lovable as the other. But then is that just, you know, a good argument for you loving my identical twin that... Right. Or, or you know, you similarly. get these, these cases. I, there's this great little video cartoon that was made, it seems made decades ago, um, that I show my students where... There's a, a scientist and he's showing this um, like traveling machine and the person gets a person gets in it and then they appear, they come out almost like a vanishing cabinet for Harry Potter. They, they come out of another place. So they've, they've appeared somewhere else. But what, what it turns out is happening is that a person is going into one of these devices and then the device is copying them and sending the information of the copy over to the other device in the other location. And then the machine destroys the original person and the, 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 the person that's been built as a copy mm-hmm. pops out of the thing. They mm-hmm. have all the same memories, but presumably if, if the person is you that went into the original Machine, I should be devastated that, that you were just destroyed. You should mourn that, right? Um, yeah, yeah, or be relieved, or whatever it is that, that you would <laughs> but, naturally. But I don't feel. know that it just makes sense for me to go over and say, "And this is my husband, Richard." Like I don't, maybe. Yeah, yeah my intuition, I, I think, is sort of very similar to what you're saying. And yeah. the example that I was just sort of given, saying, "Well, it has all the same properties and so mm-hmm. forth," is like that's still not enough. Right? Yeah, it's yeah something about about circumstance and so forth. Um, so. Let me ask you this about the treatment of the ship of Theseus and WandaVision. Um, there's a 
there's a twist to it, right? So mm -hmm. in the original story that you just told, you've got a ship, it's just this matter. Mm -hmm. The matter falls, you know, gets replaced by other matter. The original matter gets put back together. You got these two things that have the same matter. So these guys offer a solution to it, but the solution is combining what one has, which is the the mental stuff, the memories and you know, all of mm -hmm. that, um, with what the other one has, which is the original matter. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the matter from good vision was started with the original matter and it was replaced one bit at a time, right? It was, mm -hmm. That was just created. Wanda somehow made that. So here they're talking about the ship of Theseus, but in reality, it's a it's more of a dualist kind of thing where one's got all the physical stuff, the other's got all the mental stuff, and they say, well, we're neither of us are, and in a way we both are. And then good vision gives the mental stuff to the physical stuff, and now you have this thing that mm -hmm. has everything. Do you think that's kind of a, a cheap shot on the ship of Theseus, given that, you know, it's easy to just add the mental to the physical, they, they still don't solve the problem of if you had two things that had the Theseus's legitimate claims to yeah. being a physical thing, which would be that physical thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you don't even you don't even need a complicated. So I guess I what I'm thinking is that this uh, highlights the difference in the in the very nature of the question, when you're talking about identity and persistence through time of objects compared to identity and um, persistence through time of persons. Mm -hmm. And then it gets really funky when you're talking about like the kind of entity that vision is, but I'm just in. Yeah. Locke would go nuts, right? Cause Locke's got different rules for every kind of thing. Rocks are different <laughs> from certain kinds of animals and different from people. Right. Um, yeah, what do you do with a vision? Well, in, in the case of people, you you can just you could just get a, a ship of Theseus if you if you're think, talking about a person as an object, a person as a physical thing, um, and you could get a, a ship of Theseus go, kind of example going already because we our cells are regenerated, our cells die and are regenerated. Yeah. So okay, um, if you, if you, we were, we were able to collect all of our original cells and put them together in a way in a thing shaped like me, you know, mm -hmm. um, would that be me or would the new regenerated cells? But I, so, and that's an interesting question, um, in the same way that the ship of Theseus is an interesting question, but what you kind of want in addition to that is the whole phenomenon of consciousness and all of the questions of like moral responsibility and, um, interpersonal relationships that come along with identity. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's a whole element that you get in a personal identity question that you don't get with the ship of Theseus question. And so in a way they're talking about the ship of Theseus and that's great, but they're really, the question that's really being asked is a persistence of personhood question, which is maybe a different question. <laughs> well, yeah. it is a different question. Yeah. Right. And that's what I think too. And then one more wrinkle. So I'm mm -hmm. going to have you bear with me here. Okay. All right. Suppose I have a donut. <laughs> okay. Right. And I put the donut on top of maybe turn it into the third tier of a wedding cake. Mm -hmm. Is it still a donut? Or oh, now it's the wedding cake. Yeah, I mean, it's part of a wedding cake, right? It's, it's a different mm -hmm. thing entire, entirely. Okay. So I wonder with white vision, 
if they've not done something like that, right? Which would help us resolve the vision question. So um, one's got the body, one's got the mind. Vision with the mind gives the mind to the one with the body. And now people are wondering, oh, is that vision again? Because it's got the mind and it's mm -hmm. got the body. But remember, white vision had consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. this is this is the wedding cake, right? Yeah. You've, you've taken one set of memories and added them to right. another set of memories, creating this, this bigger cakey thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not like they were replaced. We didn't, you know. So it can't be vision, right? Vision... White vision has all these different memories that that other vision doesn't yeah, have. Yeah, for example, <clears throat> occupying different a different place at the same time, right? So now, presumably, so it's it. I guess it depends on whether vision has the, the white vision has now had their memories replaced with the other vision's mm -hmm. memories, or whether it's been added to the other vision's memories. Because oddly. Mm -hmm. If, if, if they had both and they would remember simultaneously being in that little box or whatever we was in and at home with Wanda in the 1950s or yeah. whatever at the same time. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, it, um, but I guess if white vision has a claim to being vision, then you can say, well, those are vision memories too. But the new thing has two different entities' memories. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's a big problem for claiming, especially if you're claiming that it's identical with the um, vision that died in the Avenger right. movies, and it's 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 not obvious. I mean, it's fallacious, I guess, just to 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 assume that two things that didn't um, preserve identity in the first place, which is at least one of the suggestions on offer, that when you put them together, that's going to yeah. create that's <laughs> going to get you identity. Yeah. Yeah. So great treatment. Um, those aren't the only topics that come up um, in you know with respect to identity in this. Yeah. So let's let's explore some different ones. There's also a cluster of issues that have to do with the other characters that are living in the city. Um, there are the questions about autonomy and free will, and there are questions about um, identity, of course. And questions about exactly what role Wanda's playing. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got each of the you know members of the each of the town folk, and one way of thinking about it is that Wanda is behaving like um, a god in the way Malbranche conceives of him. Mm -hmm. um, this occasionalist causation model where um, God, where God is actually the entity that is um, bringing about change in the world. So that if uh, a character walks down the street or pets a dog or whatever, that that's actually Wanda doing that, mm -hmm. right? That Wanda is controlling the minds of everyone and every, every change that occurs is actually being masterminded by Wanda. And we get some evidence for that, for that kind of interpretation. Um, and I think that evidence is that uh, the further out you get in the in the realm of Wanda's control, the the less the characters are able to behave normally, to have like consistent characters and mm -hmm. uh, be doing normal things. So I remember on the the Halloween episode, you go out to clear to the outskirts of the area that Wanda's controlling. 
and the people are only able to do like just very basic motions and mm-hmm. stuff like that. They're not, they don't seem to be rich characters having mental lives and making choices. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it seems like that leads us to believe that Wanda's enacting each and every change and that, that her ability to influence change, get, change gets weaker as the characters are more and more distant from mm-hmm. her. So presumably less control over their mental lives because they seem sort of like zombies uh-huh. and less control over their physical lives. Like you mentioned, their yeah. range of motions right. available to them right. are not sophisticated. Right. They can raise their hand and wave. And, and so when it comes to like identity questions, you wonder then what to make of these people are they while they're being controlled are they wanda you know are they just extensions of wanda's identity that maybe are are now like now she's got some sort of split personality right because she's making all the choices for them and what more is it to be a person than to mm-hmm. occupy that space and to make those set of choices um on the other hand though uh it's you also wonder if if, if wanda in a way another model of thinking about is that wanda's like possessing these people and they're still in there watching and mm-hmm. so it doesn't change their identity exactly yeah and there, there's good evidence for that interpretation mm-hmm. um i mean this is assuming a kind of consistency throughout mm-hmm. right so it may yeah. be different for some town folks yeah. and others but when monica rambeau shows up right and and wanda's controlling mm-hmm. her she's the friend that's Doing there, and the other people in town are going, but she doesn't live here, and uh-huh. they yeah they think it's weird, but she's just doing what she's supposed to do, right? Uh-huh. She's being the, the the good neighbor that comes in and interacts with Wanda in all the appropriate ways, but she starts to break out of that a little bit and mm-hmm. mentions things about um, her brother, and uh-huh. and then Wanda's like, get out of here, <laughs> yeah, you know. So right. there was that that moment where she couldn't control her. But again, you could say, did was Wanda not controlling at that moment, and the real person popped back in, yeah. or did the real person bust through and right? Or and while the while Wanda is in complete control over their psychologies, does that person then kind of cease to exist, and then pops back into existence when Wanda uh, lessens for whatever reasons Wanda's control is lessened? Uh, and I think that the evidence against that, well, so let me just say, uh, just going back to our discussion of vision, uh, this memory question, if all, um, all it is to uh, persist through time is to have a continuity of memories, then it is the case that temporarily, if Wanda has under complete control of those people and they're having no conscious experiences of this happening, mm-hmm. then those people have temporarily ceased to exist. Yeah. And then they pop back into existence. Yeah. On the other hand, if they're there behind the scenes remembering everything, but just not capable of acting, you know, yeah. and, and so whatever sort of you know, mental experiences they have, um, that, you know, one would determine that they have based on their outward behavior. Those are just things that Wanda is putting in there, right? Yeah. It, it might be this sort of trapped prisoner inside. And I think that's actually, it's related to what happens to Agnes at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, because. Yeah, what? What was the punishment? What has happened, right? Yeah, so if um, if what's going on is that Wanda is in control of Agnes's mind, then when, then she's now able to do that from a remarkable distance. But then it almost seems, if that's what's happening, uh, well, so I should say she's she's doing it from a remarkable dis- distance because in the cutscene at the end we see her up in the 
Himalayas or wherever mm-hmm. she is. Yeah, yeah. Doing her Doctor Strange, whatever kind of thing. Yeah. Scar- Scarlet Witch. Reading the book. And so, but if, if that's the case, then that seems almost like as big of a prison for Scarlet Witch as it would be for Agnes because Scarlet Witch has to be constantly, you know, doing the occasionalist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And she, tra- she trapped her in, in that reality um, of what the city's name, Westview or Westlake, whatever it is. Yeah. And then freed everybody else so that city's not there. So maybe you just think, she's just like, okay, I'm scrambling your brain. You're now mm-hmm. going to be stuck in this sitcom reality doing that, oh, hi, I'm your neighbor, ha, 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 voice, yeah. and having, you know. I be... So maybe something I wanted to bring up that that maybe this ties in nicely. Um, you raised occasionalism uh-huh. and talking about the other townspeople, right? Uh-huh. And one way to think about this is, uh, you know, occasionalism as opposed to a kind of deism, right? So you've got Malbranch and Leibniz, you know, with the, the various forms of parallelism, Um God's intervening, making everything happen, uh, as opposed to say Barclay, who's you know, the DS that has, or well, he's responding to deism, so he raises it. Um, but it's concerning the view that you know God just winds things up and sets them mm-hmm. in motion. And clearly, with the townspeople, that's not what's happening, right? Wanda's controlling that. Mm-hmm. When they get a little reprieve, um, they they beg her to stop doing it and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe. Maybe the story of Agnes slash Agatha is more of a DS kind of thing, right? But Wanda just creates this reality for her, sets it in place, and leaves it to play out. And so if that's the case, though, um, you, you wonder how it's a punishment. Um, so it may be the case that uh, if someone is, you know, if someone is uh, living a set of experiences other than the ones they would authentically choose, which I guess is what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, then that person has ceased to exist. I guess, right. Because yeah. they maybe have a d- different set of memories. They no longer have autonomy. They don't. Uh, so I guess the, 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 the only way, well, the only way I think it works out is if the real Agatha is in there Mm-hmm. just being tortured by the fact that she can't make any of her own decisions. And she can't use her powers and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, yeah, okay, so two things going on there. One, I, I think that's that's good, um, and and that maybe is the better punishment. And by the way, I don't I don't think this is... The, the story that I told is the one that's happening at all, because I think we're going to get in future... Marvel Productions, Agatha will make her way back. Yeah, and of course. So she didn't just, you know, the suggestions just turn her into somebody else. And, yeah. And it's horrible. But that said, I want to take issue with what you said. Um, even if you do something that makes it the case that I'm not the same person I was, that there have to be forms of that, that that would count as a punishment. So, you know, um, suppose that, you know, you were... You were um, the Magenta Witch, you know, you had all these powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you turned me into um, Jeffrey Dahmer, right? Yeah, but it's I hard mean, to say that I've punished you. Because you, I mean... Well, I don't exist anymore, but that would be a, a terrible thing to do to me, right? I mean... That, would it? I, I think that could, <laughs> yeah. that could count as a, a punishment. Like right? a harm you can do to someone after... This is kind of like traces back to the badness of death kind of discussions right. about whether you can harm someone after yeah, they just, no longer exist. Just make them somehow morally worse, right? Uh-huh. Um, I, I think that I have a, you know a, a better character than, say, Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. So it would be a horrible thing for you to do to me to 
turn me into, say, a you know, quarter of a trillionaire. <laughs> All right, bad example. Uh, no, I'd rather you be you and not a tr- quarter trillionaire than be Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking the money in a heartbeat. Um, no, you're not, because you wouldn't exist. If, if only to buy ukuleles, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it does raise an interesting question. Um, I suspect we'll get an answer to yeah. what exactly that means when she comes back, right? However she gets out of it or, or some such. Um, that'll be the key to what exactly happened. At this point, all you all you know is Wanda says, okay, that's it. You're, you know, essentially Gladys Kravitz, right? The, the neighbor <laughs> yeah. on Bewitched um, for the rest of um, your, your life. By the way, I read an interesting thing, you know, the, the backlot sets they used. Um, Agnes's house was the Stevens house, right? The, Whoa. the same, the same house on the same lot, slightly different facade. You know, uh-huh. it's been changed. Oh um, wow, wow! But yeah, this is the house from Bewitched. Maybe is an homage to. Oh wow! Not the house that Vision and Wanda lived in, but the no, no, they didn't. They, they didn't have. They had a different house on the same uh-huh. set. Oh, cool. Same back lot. Cool. Um, but yeah, um, Agnes actually had the Bewitched house, which is funny because she's Gladys Kravitz, almost, yeah. almost completely. So yeah, those um, a bunch of great questions raised. Um, you know, maybe we've talked about Marvel stuff a lot. You know, certainly the question about Thanos snap and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But for just a you know a ten episode um, story arc, that's for me probably the most philosophically compelling mm-hmm. um, of all the Marvel little units well, it's a competition yeah but movies yeah. as units or even the avenger four movie yeah series starting with the avengers and ending with endgame um as being a unit right this mm-hmm. this this was pretty rich um but i'll just mention briefly um the, yeah a bunch of other things going on in addition to the fun metaphysics right mm-hmm. i mean so the the basic premise that that wanda does this thing that involves, um, you know, denying all these people in the town their autonomy and taking it over, just to sort of get back something that she lost in, mm-hmm. in vision, um, yeah, and essentially torturing people, and then her having to, to deal with it and make a, a choice. There's kind of a weird twist on the Sophie's Choice theme, where, um, you know, it's not which kid do you give up, but do I give up my kids for and my my husband for mm-hmm. all these other people. Um, to have the, the lives that they deserve um, and seemingly makes the, the right choice. Um, a lot of stuff about sadness and regret. And... and I think in that choice that you mentioned too, like I, I, I was noticing a, a tension between maybe what a care ethicist might say and what a utilitarian might say mm-hmm. or consequentialist, maybe more broadly that, you know, okay. You, if you've entered into this unique parenting relationship or spouse relationship with with people, then you have special obligations to those people. If mm-hmm. you're a care ethicist, on the other hand, you can't satisfy those care obligations by torturing tons of others. Right. So it seems yeah. like the consequentialist considerations dwarf the care considerations. Yeah. And, and, and if you're, well, what about this though? Um, if the consequentialist considerations dwarf the others, um, couldn't Wanda just make all their lives better consequentially? Right. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, maybe they're still just you can give them all cars and and a quarter trillion dollars each, but they're trapped behind whatever facade looking. On yeah, they're lines. they're not making their own choices, so they're yeah. So this is this is kind of a little ode to Kantianism, right? That this autonomy 
is is playing a great role here. Because if it's just consequentialism, she could make them all happy. They could well, all be in love. They could all. Well, I'm, if if you think about it though, from like a preference utilitarian perspective, where um, what you should be maximizing is the satisfaction of preferences. Mm -hmm. These people aren't even in a position to. Yeah. Articulate their preferences. Yeah, can't articulate them, can't act on them. Yeah, but they presumably could have them, right? Because again, when they broke free and they mm -hmm. were talking to Wanda, mm -hmm. it's like, please let me you right. know, be with my child, or please let this happen or that happen. Um, yeah. So, boy, just um, wonderful and rich. Yeah, great, great series. If you haven't, well, if, I was going to say if you haven't seen it yet, watch it. But if you haven't seen it yet, we've just utterly spoiled it for you. So. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've issued a spoiler warning at the beginning. So. Um, Go back in time and <laughs> heed the spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. What are we, what are we liking this week? Well, obviously WandaVision, but that's what we've been talking about. So, um, you know, honestly, with all the pandemic election blah, trauma we've just been watching so much great british bake-off yeah yeah i mean we just almost every night uh so yeah, it's, it's a it's been a nice reprieve and a change really of good, pace a good show for your mental health i think just everything's pleasant people are generally nice to each other they're baking delicious food yeah yeah i don't want to spoil the plot but they cook and then they cook again and then they cook another time um, it's good. <laughs> it's relaxing. Yeah. So the, the the beneficiary of this, of course, is is our son. Um, you know, because we see things on the show and think, oh, we have to make a bethivier or yeah. you know um, custard tarts. Yeah. And then we have a little bite, and he gets all the rest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a couple things that that um, I mean, we've watched a lot of stuff since we we signed up last time, but just recently. Um, a couple of documentaries that I think are a lot of fun and, and worth recommending to folks. Um, so this weekend we watched Murder Among the Mormons. And uh -huh. um, that's got, it's an interesting enough story on its own. Um, but given the, the setting, um, you know, it's Salt Lake City, which is very near where we live. Um, but also in the, um, 1980s. in the 1980s. Yeah, so you know, somehow the whole thing manages to feel like an episode of Alf. And it follows Mark Hoffman's crimes, which we won't spoil for you, but uh, very interesting criminal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so lots of lots of nostalgia as well as a really good true crime. Yeah, nostalgia kind of if you grew up in the eighties in Salt Lake, you know, in this in the Utah area. Yeah. Man, I mean that was just my childhood uh, all over the place. Yeah, or you know, and if if not Salt Lake, just. It smacks of the '80s, right? So mm -hmm. my '80s were spent elsewhere, but it mm -hmm. still mm -hmm. still had that feel, you know, just from the clothes, the cars, um, mm -hmm. the interviews, um, and then another uh, documentary that was on HBO, and and I don't think this got a ton of attention, or wasn't it Showtime? But anyway, it's a Duplass Brothers um, production, mm -hmm. um, The Lady in the Dale, right? And so this was a sort of fantastic story about someone that that rose to. Um, kind of low-level prominence in the 1970s. Um, you know, and it starts off being sort of a story about a con artist, mm -hmm. um, but then it just winds up being kind of a wonderful story about a very interesting human being. And I, yep. I don't want to spoil it yep. more than that either, but... Um, and tragic in many cases, but also 
Uh, really yeah. uh, relatable and empathetic. It's good. Yeah. I mean, I just thought I was just signing up to watch some sort of, oh, here's an interesting news story from the, um, the 70s, and, and it wound up being fantastic. Um, a great um, um, shout out to Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> now, just to be clear, we are not shouting out to Tucker Carlson. <laughs> no, and, and, and their shout out wasn't all that nice. So. <laughs> Um, it was it was kind of a burn, but yeah. So um, I recommend that um, yeah. as do you, I'm sure. So yeah. great. Okay, right. Well, that's a wrap. Episode forty nine is in the can. And uh, we thank you for, for joining us. Uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, um, please consider um, supporting us on Patreon. You can go to um, our webpage at I think therefore I fan.com, um, click on the link that takes you to donations, and, um, and they'll take good care of you there. And there's some chance that this is all tax deductible, right? So if for no other reason, um, you might get a deduction on your taxes if you support us. That said, we're not actually a charity, so it's probably not. But at any rate, um, we, we hope you'll consider doing that. So again, thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks um, with episode 50.